This episode of the Florida Culture Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Sakaria Turner, a child of Atlanta and a member of the Soccer in the Streets family. Stay tuned to the Florida Culture and Soccer in the Streets socials for information on how to contribute to her family in this time of need. We send our thoughts and love to her family and extended friends through this time of need. Welcome to another episode of the Florida Culture Podcast, soccer podcast for us, by us, talking about the intersection of black culture and soccer. Got your boy here, Grego here. Got the mayor in the building. Pops is back. Papa TK, what's going on with you, man? Nothing much, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. How's everyone doing? Have you gotten any sleep yet? Yeah, I'm on a cycle now. Everything is um, good. I actually, I go back to work tomorrow. So um, I'm, I'm re, you know, acclimatizing myself back to social life and what is going to be the, the official new norm. So what have you noticed so far about baby? Don't trust the, um, the baby. <laughs> baby, just... I give it five minutes. I, I, I burp her. I'll be like, all right, let's, let's change this diaper. And I'm, Ooh, uh, I'm going to give you five minutes, you know? What's five minutes? It's very dirty. Just leave it. So, um, yeah, there's a couple surprises, man. You go to change that thing, and they'll be like, oh, I'm not done. Like, squirt, squirt. So I've gotten wet a couple times. Of, uh, I've gotten soiled, uh, for lack of better terms, a couple times already. But um, everything else is pure bliss, man. Can't say uh, can't say anything negative. It's just a, a joy, you know. You hear that bundle of joy comment all the time, but it really is, man. Being a fatherhood and it's, it's cool shit. Nice, nice. Congrats, Congrats man. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yes, and we got a special guest this week. We got Felipe Cardenas from the Athletic. What's going on with you? How you doing? Hey guys, I mean, honored to be on the pod, man. I mean. Really love what you guys are doing. Excited to see where this pod goes, where this brand goes, and, and if I can jump on and, and and add to it, talk some soccer with you guys. I'm, I'm all for it anytime. Absolutely, we appreciate that, man. Of course, you wanted to get you on to talk about a lot of different things. Of course, we are we are less than 24 hours away from the MLS's back tournament. Even though, is it really back? Is it? Is it? Hmm? Almost Man. back, yeah. Sort of back. Well, we're going to go into that uh, this week. Of course, thank you for listening to us on all our different platforms: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, YouTube. Hit the likes, hit the subscribe, give us all the love. We definitely do appreciate it. Yeah, so let's uh, get into it because yeah, this it's a lot to unpack, especially to what's what's been happening the uh, the past couple of days uh, just with teams pulling out, players pulling out, the MVPs pulled out. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's been your vibe, Felipe, with how teams are getting ready for the tournament in the midst of, of this pandemic? I mean, it's, it's a good question because, and I think it's, it's a somewhat easy answer because all the clubs are coming in, 
in the same situation. I mean, uh, clearly FC Dallas is in a, is, is the outlier. They've been withdrawn from the tournament because of essentially like a, a mini outbreak on the, within the team, the COVID outbreak. So they won't be participating. But today we had a call um, with Peter Vermees, Frank DeBoer, Terry Henry, and Oscar Pareja. Uh, and, you know, the, the questions were coming, flying in from reporters from all over the country. And a lot of those questions were similar to what you just asked. Like, how do you prepare for this tournament after not playing for four months? Are there concerns of as far as player safety? Do you, do you feel safe in the bubble? Uh, you know, and I thought each each manager has his own own way of answering that question, but clearly they there is a lot that they don't know, and that includes what they're going to see from their own squads. Um, they have not been able to scrimmage; they cannot play friendlies. And and as Thierry Henry said today, he's like that's where you, that's where you find the truth about your about your about your players is when you play other teams, and so. They have not been able to do that. They're essentially going in cold into these first games, um, and and they're not sure what they're going to get out of their players, especially knowing that you're in the swampy heat of Orlando. Players are coming out of a mini preseason. So, you know, I think there's a sense that they're there to do the job. They all want to win, um, but there's a lot of uncertainty kind of swirling around the clubs within the bubble right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think the of course we looking at it from the outside looking in. Of course, we've seen, like I said, FC Dallas they caught an outbreak of ten players and a coach. So basically said, hey, we can't do it. Uh, Nashville just announced that their games are getting pushed back because they have five players that tested positive. Um, uh, from what you've been able to uh, gather so far, like like tell us about like what they what they're experiencing from inside the bubble. I mean, it's it depends on who you, who you talk to and, and and who you follow. I think you know when, when the players talk to media, the players that are available. Uh, you know, yesterday some Inter Miami players uh, were, were made available, and they all said that they feel safe, that they that there's a lot of protocols in place. Um, you know, they they behave before coming into the bubble. I think you're there. You know, the the this big piece about boredom and what they're going to do for over a month, you know, locked in their rooms that hasn't really come up yet because I think they're somewhat enjoying some of the amenities. Like they can play golf. They can play. There's like a private beach for the players. There there are pools, uh, game rooms for each, you know, specific team, individual team. Um, And and so right now it sounds like, you know, some, some players are into it, but we haven't heard from everybody, you know, And, and, and I don't think everyone's happy. I mean, just before we went live, I was reading a quote from Bradley Wright Phillips, who's you know now with Carlos Vela not playing in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, he's likely to see a little bit more time for LAFC. Um, and he was on another podcast where, you know, he he was like, and I'm going to read the quote. He's like, I really don't care how I come across here because it's no secret to me. I just think it's a little bit stupid if I'm being honest. And that was in response to a question like how he feels about playing this tournament. Um, so a lot of players, are, it's not like everyone is on board. Um, and, and clearly there were, that's where these negotiations with the MLSPA and the league, that's, that was the, really the, the, the most important piece of their negotiations heading into this tournament. Like what, what types of guarantees will, they, will the league give the players? So I think that's still yet to be determined. You know, it's not all bad news. Um, some teams are, are completely COVID-free. 
And I think the expectation is as the tournament kind of develops and the testing continues on a normal cadence, you should see the expectation is that you will see less positive tests. But again, we all know the this this coronavirus is so unpredictable. You know, our, my colleagues at the Athletic have spoken to epidemiologists lately, and you know they they're very blunt in that there's there's no perfect solution, which is a story that came out for yesterday from Paul Snorri on Sam Stachel. That was a quote from a health expert that there's no some of the things that she sees MLS doing, she thinks are good and safe. But there's really no way to guarantee this type of that an outbreak won't happen or that other people will not be infected. So that's that's life in the bubble. Tomorrow, we're going to find out what these games really look like. What you got, TK? I, um, I think it's a little interesting, man. I I see the. I'm, I guess we're seeing two different sides of it. Um, the MLS promo side of it, and some of the players that, uh, like, like you mentioned, that have been uh, available to press and spoken out. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, people praising it, and I've seen people damning it. You know, um, mm-hmm. with the lunch situation or just the meal situation in general. Yo, yo, yo! Sandwich gate, yo, sandwich gate, man. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I have so many questions about that. That makes no sense because uh, I've, I've gathered some information on that. Apparently, that's uh, something that I guess is a Disney thing. And of course, I'm thinking to myself because uh, if you look on the pictures that, if, for those of you who have looked on uh, social media, it lists like the menu prices for each meal. And I'm thinking if that's sixty five dollars for for that dry ass sandwich, I'd hate to see what an actual full <laughs> meal looks like because that's that sandwich was rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I mean Paul Tenorio later, and I think he got to the bottom of it that like that's not the only meal option for players. Clearly, um, they, there there is and there has been video of this two of teams kind of like in a cafeteria setting with better options. But I mean that's not to say that some of the amenities are not great, you know. And and I think like I said, there's still a long way to go with this tournament if it, if it if it's able to get to the final in August. So I think we'll hear a lot more from the players about their t- what experiences they like and what they don't like within that bubble. So you just look, kind of laid the question, um, laid that out there. So like, do you think we, we can actually make it all the way to August 11th? You know, I don't know, you know, clearly, you know, yesterday I was thinking like, how do I feel about this tournament? You know, and, and I'm, I'm neither, 100% for, and I'm not 100% against it. Like I, I've spoken to players, you know, and, and, and heard some very personal reasons for why they feel uncomfortable playing. And I completely understand that if I were in that situation, I'm leaving my family, whether your wife is pregnant or not, like you might not have a partner, but you're still leaving your comfort zone. And, and but especially for the players that are, that have families, you know, it's tough and they're not going to a world cup. Okay. Like right. that's, this is not the a premier competition. This is something that now we see has a lot of holes in it. Mm. Uh, and, and so the way I feel is that I, I'm, I'm very skeptical and, and I'm very concerned about the health and welfare, of not just the players, but, you know, player, you know, team staff, coaches, everyone that's involved, that's kind of in that environment. Uh, and so we'll have to wait and see, but I mean, do I think the tournament will get to it? The final, you know, there's no way to know that right now. You know, I think we we want that to happen. You know, we want this to go well. 
even though right now it's hard to be completely excited about it for so many reasons, uh, especially just the climate that we're in here in the United States and just globally. Um, and, and other puzzling decisions that I just don't understand that the league makes. You know, it's one thing for the league MVP to make a personal decision and not want to play. We all understand that. But then making this like strange ruling where clubs cannot bring in TAM level players, um, it, you know, when there's a window for, for, for clubs to do that. I mean, if you, right. if you, if this whole tournament, the purpose of the tournament is to be kind of like a, a new broadcast type of experience, you want all eyes on it. I would expect that you would want the best product out there. And so I know we're going to talk about it, but a good example is LGP, Lander Gonzalez Perez, who moves to Inter Miami is not able to play, you know? So, um, and who knows how many other teams had players lined up that they would have loved to have brought in um, for this tournament and got, you know, a, a, you know, a, a red card essentially from MLS saying that, that you cannot do that. So just things that I, I think the league could have done better to make it a better experience for the fans. If this is going to, you know, make it to August. Rashad, you think we're making it to, to, to August? I'm very hopeful. Um, it is kind of a, a scare with a lot of the, the early uh, numbers coming out with some of the teams, like like we mentioned, FC Dallas pulling out and and um, and some other news. But I'm hopeful that um, we can make it to the final. I mean, it's not a perfect scenario. It's not a perfect uh, tournament. Um, but hopefully, we're smart enough to um, get to that process. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, um, you know, from inside, what's the protocol for um, the teams that aren't able to advance to the end? You know, where do you, you know, even though everything is contained in the bubble and you're testing and things of that nature, um, do the teams go into uh, more isolation uh, to make sure that the teams that are still competing um, don't run a risk later on in the competition? Um, you know, how do protocols switch up as time goes on? Uh, those are some things I'm interested um, to know, you know, as far as how the, how the politics of those things play out within the bubble and for the success of the tournament. It's a great question, honestly. I, I'm not sure if that's been answered. It probably has, but it is, a, you know, you get eliminated. Do teams need to quarantine? Do, do they need to quarantine for an extra 14 days before traveling to their home markets? Upon arriving in their home markets, do they need to quarantine? I'm, I'm sure that has been discussed and that has been, you know, that, that I'm sure they already know what, 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 what will happen. But you bring up a great point. I think it's it's not like the only issues are within that bubble. They still need to come back to their home markets and then essentially integrate into society again. Yeah, that actually uh, brings up a good question that I um, hadn't even thought about. So, like, because I actually uh, saw an article on uh, Deadspin. They, they seem to come up with random stuff every so often. But the but, um, question I have is, so has MLS come up with a plan as far as how the season is going to go after the tournament's over? No, not, not that they've made public. Um, but, you know, when I spoke to the SVP, Senior Vice President of Brand and Marketing for MLS, I did a story on just how they came up with the name of the tournament. Um, and, and within the, the, our discussion and the interview, 
uh, he told me that, you know, his team, as far as like the, the internal creative team, the marketing team, the promotions team for MLS, they're already gearing up and preparing for the really the, the net, the remainder of the regular season in the fall. Uh, but there's another MLS has not made public their plan. You know, even Don Garber yesterday on ESPN um, being very, you know, I, I don't think he can promise anything at this point. You know, I mean, we don't even know, like you've mentioned, like if the tournament is going to be able to be completed. So they don't have a plan, a go to plan that they can make public for after August. But the the idea, the goal, the objective for the league definitely is to try to play games in home markets. Uh, No fans. But, yeah, I mean, they have an entire season to go. Uh, At this point, it looks more likely that it'll probably have to be a shortened season. Um, but there, there's definitely a plan to get games going after this tournament. Gotcha. Let me, let me just put this out there just so just for my own, uh, well being did anyone bring up calendar change for MLS? Within, I mean, not yet. Like we talk about it. We've asked, I know reporters here locally have asked, you know, Frank DeBoer on a number of occasions, even Tata when he was here, it was like, that is always oh, yeah. something that comes up. Like when I spoke with Tata in February in Dallas for the, the story for the athletic, that that was more about like his first year as Mexico's manager. Um, you know, it didn't make the piece, but I did talk to him about CCL, CONCACAF Champions League, and how MLS can be more competitive consistently in that tournament. Um, now at the time of the interview, like COVID had not happened. Like the, I mean, right. there was no cancellation. Uh, LAFC, I believe had not yet beaten Leon at home. Um, mm-hmm. so, and, and it's cause I remember Tata t- saying like, you know, it's pretty unfair almost for, for even though LAFC is a top team, they're coming in cold and they're having to play one of the top teams in Mexico right away. And so his suggestion among many others was to fix the calendar, to get them aligned where it, it, maybe it's not that the calendar is exactly on European schedules, but that somehow adjust the calendar so that MLS teams have more time to prepare for these international tournaments. Right. I think the biggest thing there, just speaking as far as specifically to CONCACAF Champions League, two things. One, Add the group stage back. I think that if you did that, that would at least allow MLS teams to kind of ease their way back in because you're probably playing at least a good, what, like six games for um, depending on the groups for uh, for group stages. And by the time that, like, if you, like, compare what we had last year, if when we were going into uh, Campeones Cup against uh, Club America, had we came into the knockout stages at that point. Who knows how how uh, those uh, knockout rounds against uh, Monterey would have went. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely think that, especially given everything that's going on right now, and of course I brought it up on many different episodes since the pandemic really got started. I think that given all the dynamics going on, not just with MLS, but also just with the American soccer as a whole, you, the opportunity is there to consider it and that way it kind of gives MLS a little bit a little bit of time to kind of get their ducks in a row as far as how do you want to go about things moving forward not to mention worst case scenario if we're still 
living in some type of bubble come next spring, that actually ends up affecting the, uh, the next expansion teams, Charlotte coming in next year, Austin coming in next year. The last thing you want is for them to kind of get off on the wrong foot where they're not able to have any fans for their first few games or however long it takes for us to finally get back to some kind of normal. But, um, but yeah, of course, we are finally in, in some – Atlanta United gear. We get to finally talk about the home team again. It's been a while. It's been a it's been yeah. it's been a good while. Uh, of course, we've actually made some news uh, last week. You made a new signing, uh, Jurgen Dam, out of uh, Tigres, out of Mexico. Uh, tell tell us about uh, him and what should we expect here in Atlanta for him? I mean, again, I think I think any time Atlanta United signs a new player, you need to stop and think about okay, why did they sign him and 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 what type of player is, is he? So, you know, it's quite, it's, it's one thing to sign Barco, for instance, as Barco, when he came in, he was 18 years old, going on 19, coming off really like a Hollywood type of season with Independiente in South America, a lot of promise, you know, right off the bat, everybody understood this kid's coming here. They're going to develop him. They're going to sell him. A player like Jurgen Dam, you know, it's just so different because this is at the same time, it's very similar to other signings. This is a player that is coming to Atlanta United. That's looking to regain his form, like essentially restart his career. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, there've been several signings like that for Atlanta United, you know, Florentine Pogba, Breck Shea, Justin Merrim, um, you know, plenty of players that it's not like every player that Atlanta United signs is just like this going to be the star. Um, I think the biggest difference with, with Jurgen Dom is that, he at one point was a star in Mexico, mm-hmm. had a lot of promise, you know, made it to the national team, was playing, um, clearly had some 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 speed that everyone – that was like his thing. He could get to the end line. He could beat players. He had a little bit of uh, a nice nose for goal as well, could score some goal. Um, lately, you know, and at 27, his career has kind of come to a, a stop. He was even – he was very honest with us on last Friday when he spoke to reporters saying that, you know, he understood that Tuca Ferretti, the manager at Tigres, gave him a lot of opportunities and that he did not take advantage of them. So I think it showed a lot of humility on his part and, and an understanding that he's here to regain his form and not necessarily be a star. But does he fit in? Yeah. I mean, he's he's a winger. He's a fast winger. Uh, you know, I believe that one of the transitions from Tata Martina to, to Frank De Boer um, and, and at the same time, an evolution for Frank DeBoer is just overall team speed, you know, and, and, and I said this recently where, you know, they, Atlanta United has always been fast. They've had fast players, you know, Miggy was fast, Joseph is fast, Franco Escobar is fast, but it's not like you look at every single position on the field and you're like, wow, this is a really fast team. I mean, they can do, they can get younger, they can get faster. And I think that's what this club has to be like. I think the way modern football goes where, you're essentially really moving into the opponent's team space, wanting to take over in their own in the opposite end of the field. You know, you're going to get countered, and so you need players that can be just as fast getting the goal as they are coming back. And I think that's one thing that Jurgen Dom brings to the table if he's able to adapt and probably play, possibly in a wing back role where you're going to have to get back on defense. So. You know, it's 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 interesting. You know, it, it is definitely an interesting signing because he is me- a Mexican player. I think we all know that here in Atlanta, there's a 
very big and passionate Mexican community that I think they're just really eager to have a player that they can come out and support. And so mm-hmm. from that end, it's an interesting signing. It's a good one for, you know, to kind of bring that community into the stadium for a reason. Uh, but as far as tactics go, I think we just have to wait and see. I mean, he told us on Friday, Jurgen Dan, that he understands he has to do a little bit better in the final third. So it, like I said, interesting signing, uh, interested to see how Frank DeBoer uses him and, and really how much patience they have for him at the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That's been like the big thing I've, I've heard about him as well. It's like, you know, he's got all the speed in the world, but it's just a matter of uh, finishing. And I actually do recall when he was uh, getting regular calls by Mexico and, you know, sometimes, you know, you run out of form and things go, don't go your way. Um, what are, of course, going into the tournament, of course, Atlanta plays on Saturday against uh, New York Red Bulls, 8, 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, what are, are, what should we expect as, far as the home team fan base? What should we expect for the home team going into the tournament? Of course, everyone that was largely injured aside from uh, Joseph uh, is healthy now, so we actually get a chance to see our, our team probably the healthiest been in a good while. So uh, what should we expect? Again, it's it's so hard to know, you know? I mean, it's like they – yeah, they're healthy. Uh, but, you know, Frank DeBoer mentioned that today when he was on the call with reporters. Darren Neals has mentioned it, that they're at full health, obviously, without Joseph. But, again, not having Joseph is just like such a huge – hole in that team um it's like you know the 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 heart and soul of the club is not going to be in orlando you know the goals where are they going to come from um and it's one thing to have to plan for not having joseph in a couple games which frank DeBoer has had to do before last season when when joseph missed out on us open cup with a couple injuries you know he, Mm -hmm. he moved some players around you saw pt martinez and ezekiel barco in a little bit more attacking roles, you know, the, the famous false nine, whether or not that worked, but, you know, he has options now, I think up top, it's not probably the sexiest option with like Adam John and JJ Williams. You know, personally, I feel like they can do a job, but they're very similar players. They're big guys that like to post up, play back to goal, but that can be, that can play in Atlanta United's favor if they have guys running off with them. Um, but Again, you mentioned it. The first game is against Red Bull, so there's not going to be any time for Atlanta United to like think about how am I going to play this tournament? Are we good? Are we healthy? It's like it's a rivalry game. It's these games are always pretty intense. Um, the teams don't like each other, and so that I think will be a great opening round game because it should wake these players up right away. But as far as tactics, you know, I was I asked Frank DeBoer today, like, do you know? who's going to play on Saturday and who's going to play in the next match. Because a lot of these club managers around the world, Pep Guardiola, Zinedine Zidane, when, you know, when they were asked post game upon their return, you know, they're, you know, Pep was like, obvious, like, you know, I know who's playing in the next like five days from now. I know who's playing today. I know who's playing five days from now. So essentially telling everyone around the world, I'm going to rotate. And so I think that's what we'll see from Atlanta United um, a little bit more, hopefully consistency um, under Frank DeBoer and, and an ability to probably play a lot more players. I think you'll see young guys, Josh Wolf, 17 years old. Like I fully expect that kid to play. 
Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I saw that signing. Uh, of course, that's uh, uh, Brendan Wolf, right? Hold on. No, Zach Wolf. And Josh Wolf is uh, his uh, his dad is actually the manager of uh, Austin FC. And, it's Tyler uh, Wolf. Tyler Wolf. Tyler is, Wolf. Yeah, yeah, he's a homegrown. And yeah, his dad is a former U.S. men's national team player and now manager at Austin. So, and I was, and I, I saw him play in in Birmingham. He does. He is creative. He he's a brave player. Um, he's also, I mean, well built. You know, he's got Roberto Carlos legs. The kid can run. The kid is strong. Uh, Stephen Glass, the Atlanta United two coach, told me that he likes to run in behind, which not a lot of players do today, which is is very true. A lot of players, even attacking players, look for the ball. They look to, for the ball they to keep build up and like kind of move and play, move and play. Uh, and Tyler Wolf, according to the coaches, is a guy that likes to get behind, likes to run at defense. So I think you'll see him play. I think a lot of clubs in this tournament are going to essentially – for lack of a better word, be forced to play younger players. I mean, you're going to have to rotate guys in and why not? Like, why not throw some players out there in this tournament? What you got, TK? So speaking of players to throw out uh, during the tournament, who, who would you expect to be the um, the usual hot teams, you know, to potentially progress and uh, get towards the, the semifinal, the final of this? All right. Well, I'll tell you my who I predicted like in in the piece that we wrote now a couple weeks ago which was like predicting the unpredictable i think that was the headline like how do we predict this type of tournament um and a couple writers and i kind of got together and just went through the group stage and discussed who we like um essentially the crux of that piece is that it really depends on priorities like if you're atlanta united in my opinion it's like you've got to go and try to win that tournament you're almost obligated to you know they're, they're, you know, the culture of trophies um, is just, you know, the, the players understand the pressure of playing for this club. You can't go and wing anything. Um, and at the same time, what club at like would not want to just like right away have that CONCACAF Champions League berth locked up? And then no matter what happens with the rest of the season, you know, you're going to the international tournament next year. So um, at the same time, like my dark horse and who I have winning it is the San Jose Earthquakes. And I have them in the final against Columbus, which Columbus is in, you know, in Atlanta United's group. So, you know, I like San Jose because they're a really direct team, very intense, well-drilled um, second year under Matias Almeida. And even though they are coming in late because they were not given – permission to train to do full team training in California, you know, in talking to some of those players uh, a couple weeks ago on, on a call that we had with reporters out there, you know, they feel really confident. Like they were like, we still went to Cancun in preseason before COVID and they worked their butts off. They got together. You know, if you watch some of the videos that are coming out of the bubble from the San Jose earthquakes, you know, contingency, they're, they're hype, man. You know, they want to play. And I think they really believe in themselves and they will run through fire for Matias Almeida. So I like that team. You know, they're not, they have not been consistent at all really under Almeida, but they're a tough team to play against. They have a defined style. So that's my, that's my dark horse. You know, I think when you talk about teams to watch, it's going to be the LA teams and, and for different reasons, you know, LAFC now, like we've mentioned, no Carlos Vela. So like, what does that look like when the best player in the league is not there? Um, what does Bob Bradley do up top? He does have options like Bradley Wright Phillips. 
Um, but I think he even said publicly that he does not expect a, you know BWP to be ready to play 90 minutes. So, you know, I think you'll see similar false nine type of tactics where you've got Rossi and Brian Rodriguez running off a central striker and trying to score the galaxy, man. It's like, are they good or not? You know, is, is, is Barros Escalozzo getting it done? Is, is he on the hot seat early in his tenure? And is it fair to, to even say that in, in a type of tournament where we're not sure if we should be playing it in the first place, but yeah. they have not played well in the first two games. They did not play well. Chicharito, you know, was frustrated. They, they clearly are not adapting post Slatan. And so that'll be a good a team to watch. I mean, for the rest of the field, it's like, I think you're going to get, you're going to know what you're going to get. You're going to know what you're going to get from new England. Uh, Houston is a very kind of like pro Latino style. Uh, I like watching them play. Can they win games? Not, we're not sure yet. So I think it's like a tournament that's completely up in the air, to be honest with you. Gotcha. I'm, I'm say, I'm is there a player that you think um, has the most to gain from uh, the tournament or someone that you're looking forward to watching in particular? Yeah, I mean, again, another great question. Let's Who has the most to gain? I mean, I, I think – PT Martinez has a lot to gain and still a lot to prove in MLS. I mean, for me, he's a player that has won at incredible levels in South America. Um, And his, you know, he wasn't comfortable right away. And so now I feel like there's kind of like, is he that, is he really that good? You know, you know, how good a player is PT Martinez, but you know, you look at those first two games in CONCACAF, how he came out in MLS before COVID kind of put everything to it, to, to kind of halted everything. The dude was just like completely on fire. And, and, and again, recognizing he told, he told us, us in the mix zone after that Matagua game here, you know, in Kennesaw, he's like, this is the PT that everybody wants to see. You know, my head wasn't in the right place. So I think it just showed that this is a guy that understands the pressure and the expectations that are on him. And so I would expect him, even in a tournament that everyone might be dismissing, he's going to be like, bro, you know, I'm going to ball out and I'm just going to show everyone that I can play and I'm still one of the top players in this hemisphere. Um, I mentioned Diogo Rossi and Brian Rodriguez from LAFC. I think those are two players that, again, have we all know they're really good. Um, Can they carry a team now? You know, so that'll be interesting to see. And I think we'll we'll find out about young players all across the league that we may not know about. Um, I look at Orlando, you know, they, they, they've signed, they signed one of the, one of the best goalkeepers best in South America, you know, Peru's national team goalkeeper, uh, Pedro Gajese, um, who was, you know, on Boca Juniors radar for a while. Still, you know, not like he's not on the national team anymore. He's the starting national you know, goalkeeper for Peru. So I think Orlando is an interesting team to look at new manager, new culture, trying to establish an identity. Um, and they've got some options up top. So there are a lot of teams, man. Like I could go on and on. I, I love inner Miami. I, I love them because I think they have a manager that is a freak, you know, on the sideline, he lives and breathes an intense style of soccer and I think those types of managers in this type of setting, when there's no fans, no, 
you know, you, it's just them on the field, their players, like those types of coaches like Diego Alonso, Matias Almeida, Caleb Porter that are kind of like high energy. I think they might be able to get a little bit more out of their players. Gotcha. Um, I want to make a, a prediction because like, like we were saying, we don't even know how far this is going to go, but I will ask this one t- question about the home team for everybody. Do we make the final? Yes or no. I mean, in my prediction, I don't have them the final, but I, I believe Atlanta United has enough to get to a final. Of course, you know, they just top to bottom, even without Joseph, the quality is there. I think the questions for Atlanta United are, you know, can they be consistent? You know, it's the same that we've talked about with other teams, but like, you know, how consistent can Atlanta United be under Frank DeBoer? You know, will, will he have the patience to let this team play? Will he remain conservative when they go up one nothing? You know, it's, there's a bit of a trend with Frank DeBoer where they go up one and then he kind of drops back. Um, again, uh, full credit to Frank because he's also been very open with us in the mistakes he's made and some of the the ways he's improved this club. And so, you know, the last the last image we have of Atlanta United is getting drubbed three nothing at Estadio Azteca by Club America. Um, and I think we remember that first half where, you know, Atlanta sat back. I think the plan was to absorb pressure and try to counter and, and Atlanta has players that can do that. But against certain teams, if you just give up the field, you can get owned really fast. And club America is the type of team that you, you need to go against. You've got to go at them. You've got to give them what they give you and just play. And I think you saw that in the second half, Atlanta United kind of changed the tactics changed the approach. They were on the front foot. PT again. I think he hit the bar twice. Uh, the Club America players did not know what to do about him. He was just again him and Barco were finding each other. So there's a lot to like about what this team can do. I think it really depends on how does the staff feel about the opponent, and do they feel comfortable attacking them throughout a match. Uh, considering what we've already talked about, the heat, the rotations, the injuries that are likely to happen. So I think Atlanta United can make the final. I just think it's not – without Joseph, without that, without a guaranteed goal scorer, it's difficult to say, oh, yeah, they're a lock. They're going to be in that final. Yes or no, Rashad? Make the final? Yeah. It's, hard, it's tough to say. Um I think um, they have room for experimentation as far as the sets they can pull out. Um, Like you said, the last thing we saw, or one of the last things we saw was, um, you know, we have, well, put it this way. We haven't seen much of the um, 11 without Joseph. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to see how are you going to counter against what they're going to bring. Um, we've only seen very limited play without Joseph. So um, it's interesting to see what FDB is going to do as far as um, changing the tactical approach. Um, we do have Rosetto, um to implement more. So maybe adding him into the attack, um, you know, talks of, uh, you know, false nine or something like that. And, and, you know, whatever way you can be creative with putting be putting PT more forward um, or, or whatever you're, you're going to do, I, I think it's something that many teams 
it's hard to see what what FDB is going to, you know, what he's going to do. Um, but I think they have what it takes. It's going to be very, very slim. Yes and no, TK. No. <laughs> if they were to make it to the final, um, it would be pretty much predicated on the fact that they would have to figure out a solution for goals and um, consistency. Uh, like that was mentioned earlier. So if those two things are solved, then my answer is a total flip, and I, I see Atlanta in the final. But um, based off what I've seen this season, even with COVID and all the yappity yap, I, I truly do believe that it could easily go to another team because one of Atlanta's biggest faults from the birth is not just the consistency, but the, the lapse of – that mentality of to, to continue to just like we we don't score a goal and then chase another goal and then chase another goal we score a goal and we set back so if that if that mentality has changed or has been updated to raise that bar to the next level across the team um and without yosef barking at people then yeah, yeah. we're in the final but otherwise no yeah. and it's still a pretty fresh young squad based on last season as well. So I don't know if they've had much time to gel um, like many teams, but just their nucleus as well. There's so many new pieces and nuances to this club. I don't know, you know, what do you do to bring that together? Let me just say, before we move on, like I, I, that's a great point. And it's something that a lot of, you know, Twitter is fun because people just love to have an opinion. But like when I, when I wrote the state of the team piece for this season for Atlanta United, my, what I was arguing is that this is the year that they're transitioning. It wasn't last year. It wasn't in Frank DeBoer's first year because under, in, under in Frank DeBoer's first year, he still had that nucleus of LGP, Nagby, Gressel, uh, Parkhurst. You know, he still had some really key players that were part of the championship runs from the, from the past. And clearly they won him some trophies as well. You know, now moving into 2020, uh, so many players left. Gressel leaves. Tito leaves. Uh, LGP is gone. Nagby is gone. Parkers retires. Um, more is expected of Miles Robinson. Fernando Mesa comes in. Who, you know, who is this guy? Fans are asking. Is he good? Is he the replacement for LGP? And so we talk. We've all we've all focused on the attack, but you know, to Rashad, to your point, it's like the back line is still getting used to each other. And, and I even noticed even in the Matagua game here at home where they really dominated, there were times where it was really nervy in the back, you know, playing out of the back, finding the midfielder, Fernando Mesa, um, you know, figuring out where his his partner was going to be. You know, that chemistry on both the left and the right side that they had down to a science under Tata and even in that first year under Frank. Now they're working on it all over again with new players. So now Franco Escobar has to work with Len, with Brooks Lennon. Whoever is playing on the left side has to find work with either a rotating cast of Mulraney, Bello, like all these players. So like, it's a great point that they're young. They're not. They're they're not this like team that's been playing with each other for a long time anymore. And so that has to be considered. I think that that's one reason why I think they still need to kind of work themselves into who they are. And this tournament could do that. It could be that opportunity, but at the same time, you know, I think they're going to need 
some big defensive games as well. And they're going to need probably to pitch a couple shutouts. Um, I'll, I'll throw in mine that to, to kept this off. I think we at least made the semifinals. I think that with Miles being met, I, I would, I'm definitely curious to see how he does with this back line with, with everyone healthy. I think that he should solidify a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we were showing back at the beginning of the season. Um, and then COVID wins in the final. <laughs> I'm like, this is just going to be... I said, I'm, I'm hoping that we get to the final. I really do. But um, I said, it, it's, of course, we don't know if COVID might strike mid-tournament and teams got to readjust from there. So I'm going to give the team at least a semifinal run. And I said, we'll see where Kobe does from there. But... Um, But yes, uh, before we switch switch paces, I uh, just want to let you guys know, as celebrating uh, MLS's back tournament, we are offering a 20% off sale at ftcutd.myshopify.com. Get your name sets, hats, of course, kindly rocked by TK here. Uh, also, our Black Lives Matter name sets, which are still going on. So the proceeds from that go to Camp Horizon and for the Bail Project. And yeah, that's. Um, I got to get that one of those mugs, man. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Cold Trevor Club mugs. Drake mug yeah. available uh, on sale as well. Uh, of course, uh, I didn't want to go into it into uh, uh, two up, two down. Of course, uh, Coach Tony is not here. For those of you who have been watching the news um, the past uh, over the past weekend, uh, there was a young girl that was shot um, here, actually not too far from where Rayshard Brooks was uh, was killed over on University Avenue here in Atlanta. Uh, Sequoia Turner, eight years old. Uh, she actually was a player within the Sacramento Street system, so it's definitely hit the uh, Sacramento Street family, including Tony, um, pretty hard. Once we publish this episode, we'll be also posting uh, the uh, GoFundMe for our family. You know, donations are gratefully received and everything. Whether it's cops or just us in general, we got to stop killing people, man. Like, we really got to do better with how we do each other. It's hard enough as it is with COVID. Let's not, because 4th of July weekend was a crazy weekend in, in a lot of places around the country. So do your best to take care of not just yourself, but each other, wear your damn mask. Don't shoot people, just live. I can't express that um, more, just live. But um, but yeah, let's uh, get on to the show. Before we get up and uh, two up, two down, I gotta say something for you, TK, especially since, since you're back here. I think Pulisic might be uh, the best player since the restart. Because hey. he's been burning this shit up. <laughs> hey, man. It kills me because I've been consistently playing with my um, my FPL fantasy team, and I have Mountain, who is the most consistent player in the Chelsea team. Um, he's played every match, or featured in every match, rather. 
And it's just killing me because I'm like, man, I had Pulisic in earlier in the year. I want to put him back in. But you're right, man. He's absolutely just um, – his numbers now are looking like hazards from Hazard's first year back in 2012-13 after we won the Champions League. And, I mean, the movement and the attention that he's bringing right now uh, as far as an attacking threat is just fantastic. It's what we need is uh, here in Atlanta, honestly, we need the direct – run at the defender and push them, make them run back. And, yeah. and then you have all sorts of options with the array of attackers we have to, uh, you know, accompany him. It should just be easy, man. Honestly, at this point, we should be looking more like, I hate to say it, Manchester United, as far as globbing the goals in. But there's also like some mental block with Chelsea, which is, I feel like we're a parallel between Atlanta and United. I don't know how this happened for me, but <laughs> I've got a full yeah, sick take. I mean, listen, I agree. It, like, it's you could totally argue that he's the hottest player since the restart, and he wasn't given every opportunity, you know, in these games. Like, he didn't start a couple games, he didn't play, etc. Um, it's not been easy for him to get into that lineup. Um, and it's a young team, but it's a young English team. There are a lot of English players that I think Chelsea as a, as a club and Lampert as a manager probably wants to play, you know? Um, and so Pulisic was, was kind of on the outside looking in, but you know, he's just, he's just such a good player, man. And you, and you said it TK, he's so direct. It's like the only way he knows how to play. And, you know, I remember the first time and so far the only time that I've seen him play live was when I covered the gold cup final, um, last summer between the Mexico and the U S men's national team. And, you know, I'm in the press box and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to watch. I'm finally, finally going to get to see Paul sick a person and like, see what he's all about. And it's just, I, I think what was stunning for me was not how he played, but how Mexico's team reacted to him. Um, it's almost like they know he's, just like a ball of fire. And it's anytime he got the ball, like, like TK mentioned, like you could see players backpedaling, uh, looking over their shoulder to see how much space they had left behind. Cause they knew pulls that could beat them on a sprint. And so it was, that's why that, that game was one of Tata's like master classes because he did make some big changes in order to lock Pulisic down. And it worked because in the first half he was just running wild um, and I think his first touch is is underappreciated. The kid is just a really good footballer. So I'm not a Chelsea fan, but if if I were, I mean, I don't know if I would put him up on Hazard's level just just yet. Um, but he's got so much, for, you know, so, so a long way to go, man. Like his his ceiling is still very high, and he's a confident player right now. Oh yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is especially you saw the goal. Uh, I guess Coastal Palace on, on Tuesday, you had the goal on Saturday. Like the, the overall confidence as a whole is you could definitely tell he's feeling it right now. Like he is in a, in a real moment. And I just hope, you know, going into, of course, we're still wrapping up uh, this season here, going into the next season when you have uh, Werner uh, coming in, they, they don't, they don't forget him. Like, yeah, like what he's played and, and gotten a real opportunity to play, he's been lights out. And I think that that's a guy that especially when you can tell that he's just hungry like that, that's the kind of guy that I think that you want, you know, in, in, in your, in your foxhole with you. So you just, 
Like it's, it's been amazing to see. But I know, uh, are you a fan of those kids, TK? The kids, dude. The yeah. light blue is, is banging. Honestly, I was I saw it today. It looks like pajamas. second half, I was like, you know, I, I like to wear the long sleeve. I was like, I don't know if I can. It does kind of have a pajama look. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not Nike's best work. You know what I mean? Like it's. Totally. It's not even. It's not even the fact that it's a bad design. It's just that three. That yeah. three. Yeah, it's the logo. It's not, cool, it's not working at all. Like that's got to go. And they um, and the initial sketches look, you know, as it is now, um, with the three as a, a number. However, they they came out with the other logo, which is they're just you know written three. three. And I was yeah. like, hey, this works. Like, and then I saw earlier on last year or whatever, maybe early this year, um. That it feels like five years ago. Well, no, yeah, there's yeah. a rule where it's like you can't have numbers on both sides of the of the jersey. Um, but maybe this is a, a international play role, and I'm getting this confused. Uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe hearsay of whoever said that, and I read it. But you know, <laughs> fact check—that's another thing I do these days. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I heard you mention Manchester United. Just remember, sixteen unbeaten. We're coming hey. for you. Bro, it doesn't matter. We're in second place. City's already fucked up. So <laughs> you got to, like, get through two other teams. Like, hope Lester fucks up. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they did draw Arsenal today. So, you know, like I said, we just got to keep, keep keep this thing going, man. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see what's up. But um, let's uh, let's just pack this thing on home. Let's get up and down to up and to down. What you got, Mayor? All right. So, you know, before I – Give my two up, two down. I would like to uh, leave some words for Tony and from Tony as far as um, giving his respect as far as uh, Corey and everything. We spoke about her already. So make sure, um, you know, after this episode, if you're on our socials, if you're listening to this, you know, the links will be posted to donate uh, to help the family and and help the cause and help her memory uh, for something that's so unfortunate. You know, he's had the opportunity to spend time with her and touch her life through uh, soccer in the streets and through the sport. So just to keep that message alive. Um, But, you know, he uh, is excited because uh, him being a Howard Bison, Howard just locked down uh, Maker Maker. And who is Maker Maker? Maker 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 is a basketball player. He is a, according to ESPN, he is the 16th ranked um, high school basketball player in the class of 2020, and he uh, committed to Howard. So he uh, he wanted to lead the charge as far as more players, not necessarily just in basketball, but just sports across uh, the board with considering going to an HBCU. Right now, the number one ranked basketball player in the country, Jalen Green, um, has yet to commit. Uh, the number four player has yet to commit, and there's various other players that have yet to commit, and they are considering going to HBCUs, and Maker Maker is um, leading the charge and is trying to uh, educate other players and trying to persuade them to give HBCUs a chance. So salute to him as far as uh, his efforts with doing that. His brother's already in the basketball league. He's uh, his, his brother's Thun Maker. He plays for mm-hmm. Detroit Pistons. Um, so uh, much success to him. Um, Tony's down that he wanted to leave with us is that, you know, again, Howard, 
um, in the world that we're living in right now with this virus, um, the best homecoming in the world is officially allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> um, Howard, Virginia State, various other HBCUs and schools around the country have already announced that they're canceling homecoming activities. So I know that is another nail in the coffin for Tony as far as his move. It's like, man, like uh, not, we have a high mention, and then we, what's Not up? to mention, um, of course, here in Atlanta, uh, Morehouse actually just ended up canceling all of their fall sports for the year. So, you know, as as things go into um, the, the, new, the new school year, it's going to be very interesting to see, like, how a lot of these college programs really adjust to basically if they can even go to school, let alone play sports. It's, uh, but yes, I was, yeah, seeing all the homecomings get canceled, you know, that's a staple of the fall. That's, that's, that's a real bummer. But of course, that's just, you know, how things are right now. All right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, no spell house, but hopefully 2021 will be a rebound for us. But I get into mine. Um, I had two up and I had two down, but I got an extra one I want to throw in there. So for my my two ups uh, in the news this week, Walmart decided to um, pull their merch off the shelves with um, Washington Redskins as the climate changes. As we talk about those things, um, there's been a lot of pressure in the past week as far as the Washington Redskins football team uh, of the NFL to change their names. And this has been a conversation for years against that nickname. Um, people find it get very offensive. So there's been pressure from uh, sponsors, uh, especially FedEx, who uh, is one of their biggest sponsors and also their naming rights is on the stadium that they play in in Hanover, Maryland, uh, to pull the name, change the name. So because of the pressure of those sponsors and money that's coming out, I think they're, they're finally uh, looking at giving it a serious thought of changing the name, but in the news, um, and as a to uh, up for me, Walmart is pulling away. So that is a very big um, retailer. So you know, a lot of their stuff around that area is being pulled. Also, the WNBA um, is also joining the NBA's efforts with putting um, names of some of the females that we've lost to police brutality honoring them on their jerseys, uh, which I think that's something that is remarkable. The players have been fighting for that for a while as well. But immediately my down with that um, is right in our backyard, um, the WNBA Atlanta Dream uh, co-owner um, is also a Georgia senator. Her name is Kelly Leffler. So she released a report saying that she opposes of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement of the names being represented on the jerseys. And she feels that an American flag should be placed on the jerseys uh, to signify unity. Um, and then she released a statement about the Atlanta Dreams um, mission as far as inclusion and things of that nature. Um, and this is a team that is majority Black. As far as their players, um, and, and a very black players have also decided to so tone deaf yes. on her part, man. And two of their players have already decided to sit down this year. Uh, one being Renee um, 
um, Montgomery, uh, who decided to focus on Black Lives Matter initiatives and uh, her in the community um, of, of the inner city community of Atlanta. And um, also one of the biggest stars, Tiffany Hayes, has decided to sit down. So I find that rather interesting that, um, you know, she came out with that opposition today um, with that in the news. And then also my other down um, would be the the numbers of cases everywhere. Majority, I think at least 35 states right now, cases have spiked. So I know as we slowly migrated and we're, we're reopening states, there's been <laughs> tons of recklessness and lawlessness going on as our oh, social gatherings. We want to get back to to normal so bad, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen so many, so many things that are so wrong with what's going on over the week. Um, so just just be safe. We preach this every week. Mask up. It's not that hard. So um, that's my two up, two down. My, my the other thing I want to throw in there. Uh, big ups to Bubba Wallace. Uh, he just got that that uh, deal from uh, Beats by Dre. So yeah, that's it. Uh, just to piggyback on, on on one of yours real quick, well, actually one of Tony's, uh, shout out to Jill Robbins. She's actually been do- doing a birthday fundraiser for Securia Turner's uh, family. She actually have, has already raised $8,000 uh, on on uh, for the family, mainly for the, her siblings, you know, help them uh, you know, get to college and everything. But um, what, you, what you got, Pops? Uh, my up is obviously going to be, or should be obvious, that I am a, a father, but uh, I really want to make this more about shouting out my my partner, my my wife, my fiance, uh, future wife, uh, Katie, wherever she is. You know, yeah, she did fantastic, man. I just I was blown away to just to witness that whole thing and and just see her endure. And so um, I was just completely just amazed with her. So my my up is is going to uh, to Katie. Um, and my uh, my newborn, and then the down man, coronavirus has got me messed up. So um, I'm trying to get my parents up here to visit their grandbaby, uh, but um, this is crazy. So I'm just trying to get a real hold on where we currently are with this first wave, second wave, um, and I'm just kind of concerned with. I think for, for me, it's I'm seeing more. It's about the economy and less. It's about the health of um, our country and my, my I guess my overall down from this would just be um, a big thumbs down to like Universal which I fucking love actually and Disney which I fucking love it, it hurts because you see like t- to me it's a money grab reopening their parks not having the protocol just absolutely you know right or at least maybe not the time in um, so I'm, I'm just kind of disappointed to see the money you know, capitalism kind of degree kind of take over. They're like, oh, well, let's not tank the economy. So whatever. Let's just get this bag. That's how they all look at it. Because Disney's not making no money. Neither is Universal. So all of a sudden they got every sports in the country over there now. But uh, yeah, that's it, man. For me, I'm passing all off. You want to take a stab at this, Felipe? I mean, I have to, right? I can't, I can't, I can't not participate, but uh, Ooh, let's yeah. see if I get this right. Um, I mean, I'll, I want to shout out you guys, first of all, um, for for what you guys do um, and the way you're helping grow the sport. I mean, not only in Atlanta, but just, you know, around the country within your very specific 
circles and being as inclusive as possible. I think there are other groups and that are doing the same thing. And I, I'm going to forget people, but I mean, you look at Siempre United, uh, Parcetas United, you know, guys that love the game like you guys do and that bring a different perspective, a different knowledge um, and, and talk to a different demographic, a, a demographic that I think is being at times ignored um, it, for in soccer in this country. So just a huge up to all, all those guys and what you guys are doing. Like I said, at the beginning of this, of this show, like it's an honor to be on your pod. I look forward to coming back. Um, you know, I think my down would be that even though the, the black lives matter movement has been so important, um, not just this year for a long time, but especially this year, um, and it's inspired people. It's inspired me. It's made me think. It's made me listen. It's made me, you know, just look at life in a different way and want to support organizations and people that, that I may not have thought about. But I think what's sad is that it's also bringing to light a lot of the problems that we have in this country. Racism is very much alive in this country. Um, privilege is, is very much alive in this country. Uh, and, and it perhaps going on Twitter and looking at watching videos is not a healthy thing to do, but it's, they just, they're out there every single day. You wonder if people didn't have cameras on their phones, would we be catching all these people and they're just like hateful speak. So that is discouraging, but I don't think I'm hoping that it doesn't discourage the movement and discourage people from speaking up and telling the truth and challenging people that have a different point of view to just listen and learn. So um, that has been tough to watch, but I guess the silver lining is that it is waking other people up. Cool. And thank you so much, you know, for, for that compliment. You got that on tape, TK. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we definitely do appreciate it. And we definitely appreciate you uh, being on and everything. I'll make my stuff real quick as we wrap up. Uh, a couple weeks back, we were uh, privileged to participate in a telethon with the flock. They were one of the supporters group up in uh, Madison, their their fam, basically uh, raising funds for LGBTQIA uh, organizations up in Madison and, and throughout the country. Uh, we also gave a shout out to All Stripes uh, uh, down here as well. I think we actually had a pretty funny clip on, on there for our little bit. Uh, shout out to uh, Yogi up in uh, Riverside 93. And if you haven't already, check out the Can I Kick It podcast, basically talking about black history and soccer. We already talked about it earlier uh, with uh, Rashad's two up, two down. Redskins name, I'm so glad that's on the way out. And I think that there actually was an article that came out uh, earlier today where 15 uh, Native American organizations basically said, hey, like this has got to go. This that messes with directly to the NFL. So I, my prediction there is that I actually think it actually might be gone um, in time for the season. Now, they won't have like a whole rebrand or, or everything, but decals will be gone. Name will be gone. The logos will be gone. And basically they'll be working towards something new going into 2021. I can't wait to see it. I can't say the uniform anyway, so. It, you know, you know what I foresee though. What's up? 
I foresee the same backlash with the Redskins fans. Sorry, Washington football fans as the NASCAR fans had when they decided oh, to no doubt. No doubt. take oh, out yeah. Confederate battle People flag. don't like change, man. It's just like yeah. it's it's crazy. People are just how, like, so insensitive to things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and TK brought it up as well. Like how COVID is just messing with everyone. It's true. It's been terrible and difficult for, people got but people at the got same time, time man. Yeah. And like, it's showing people's true colors, good and bad, oftentimes bad as far as leadership goes and, and how they view their neighbors. And so I agree with you, man. I think that it's not going to be an easy transition for Washington as an organization, but it should be done. It's time to get that done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last thing, uh, our fam out in Oakland, Oakland Roots, they made an announcement uh, last week that they, all their players and staff are contributing 1% of their wages towards uh, the Common Goal Initiative, facing another organization uh, geared towards social uh, equality and justice. Uh, shout out to them, shout out to Adrice and the fam out there. I said, I'll check, check their stuff out and whatnot. Also, shout out to Adrice because I actually got some 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 root swag in the mail. So shout out to you for that. But um, yeah, other than that, you know, I, I, I could really go on. I could go into August Alcina and Jada Smith. But yeah, we're going to wrap this show up. Uh, as always, you can catch on the social FTC. UTD. We'll mess that up. <laughs> but yeah, it's on Twitter, Instagram. We're still on TikTok somehow, uh, Facebook, all, all that good stuff. And uh, catch us up here, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all, all the po- major podcast apps. Where can they find you on the socials, Felipe? I mean, I'm, I'm always on Twitter at Felipe Carr. Um, and then I would ask, I mean, if you if you want to follow everything that the athletic soccer is going to be doing during this tournament and our coverage is going to be comprehensive. I mean, we have big plans, regardless of what happens with the tournament, we're going to cover it. We're going to cover the hell out of it. So follow the athletic soccer on Twitter as well at the athletic SCCR. There it is on the ticker um, and, and follow our writers. Uh, I think, to the best in the business. It's an honor to be part of that team, be in that starting lineup where we all love the game. We want to report it. So I think it, I'll give one last shout out to Paul Tenor and Stam School who yep. were cited today on CNN. They're, they're reporting from, from the, from everything that's happened with FC Dallas, Nashville, um, made CNN this morning. So I think it says a lot about the work that everyone at the athletic is doing um, and trying again, trying to grow the sport, trying to report it like it's a big league. So follow us and, and stay tuned. We've got big things coming during the tournament. Yes, and hopefully we can trust your arm because uh, one thing that we didn't get to talk about this week is a special article that's coming out uh, in the next few days. Hopefully we can get you back on. Hopefully next week and we can talk about that too because that, that's something, like I said, we've been able to contribute to yep. and we are excited to get that out there. Of course, don't forget, MLS is back, starts on Wednesday night, Orlando versus Miami. Hopefully your your team will lose to the Lady United, and that's that's all there is to it. But for in the meantime, for Grego, for Mayor, for Pops, for Felipe, for Coach, Coach is real, Coach is everywhere. This is dedicated to Sequoia Turner. We'll see y'all soon, and we out.